This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's a Miller Lite football Friday on Sports Radio 610. Here's Payne and Pendergast. John Harris is filling in with, for Sean Pendergast uh, this morning. And, John, before we went to break, you you'd been talking about guys our age trying to keep up with the way football is played today and how hard it actually is to do. Because you do have to um, – I mean, a lot of the things that they're doing in the NFL right now is the stuff that you and I had been out of college for quite some time when all yep. of a sudden they started doing a lot of the zone read um, or pistol or anything like yeah. that. I'd been out of the NFL for a few years before, we, before uh, you know, we ever started seeing anything like it in the NFL. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it does feel like there's times where I'm watching. I feel like I've learned enough maybe to be dangerous, but to not, uh, to not really understand the zone read side of things. And I, I, I still get stressed. And, it, and it's borne out when I saw, like, Gardner Minshew fumble on a zone read mesh on an exchange last week uh, versus the Cowboys. I get stressed when I watch people run the zone read because it looks impossible to me. Like, it looks <laughs> impossible that the quarterback – and I'll go to – the high school kids are brilliant at it. Yeah. I suppose it's because they've been doing it since they were 10 years exactly. old. Exactly. Exactly. But it is, I mean, it's, I, I feel like it's sneakily one of the most impressive athletic feats in sports today that you can, that you can hold that, hold that, hold that, and either give it to a running back right before he might get hit anyway, um, or pull it out yourself. And is it, I guess, I used to criticize Bill O'Brien because I felt like they ran too many dummy zone reads yeah. where it looked like a zone read, but it wasn't actually a zone read. Ultimately, I think a lot of that was on Deshaun Watson because he didn't carry out the fakes well enough. Um, but is it, is, it, is it easy for you to see, like, okay, which teams are actually doing it and doing it well versus some that are just kind of going through the motions and, and putting up window dressing? Yeah, I, it's interesting to me because you can watch a team, like Baltimore is a great example of this. And, and I remember I was watching him against the Patriots. He was getting ready for the, the Ravens at 19. We were coming off a of bye week and we'd gone to London. So I had a couple extra days to study Baltimore. And I was watching Lamar Jackson and – 
I'm watching a, what looks like a zone read, and I'm like, he's not even looking at the defensive end. Yeah. Like, is he actually reading this? Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things about the zone read is how often are NFL quarterbacks predetermining what they're going to do with the ball. Yeah. And I think a great example of that was was Jeff against was it against Tennessee? Yeah, it was against Tennessee. Jeff had predetermined that he was going to pull the ball in the zone read because on the prior one, he handed off to Royce Freeman and they actually had crashed on the outside. He had predetermined in his mind he was keeping it because he anticipated it. Well, they they anticipated the same thing. So Royce runs through the line completely clean. Yeah. Completely clean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was like it would have been a first down and Jeff got tackled for, for a loss. And sometimes all that can get kind of caught in your head. And I, this is the way I – so the zone read, I'll never forget. I heard about it in, in 1998. I was talking to my buddy, Mike Zeroline, who coaches at Tom Ball High School. And Mike and I have grown up together. Both have coaching dads and we're always talking ball. And so we were kind of talking about our certain situations. He goes, hey, man, have you seen what Kansas State's doing? And he goes, they call it zone read. And I was like, all right, what do you do with it? And he goes, well, you run a zone play out of shotgun, <laughs> and the quarterback reads the outside guy. And he's like, yeah. they're running it with Michael Bishop, and he's killing teams. I'm like, oh, okay. I want to try that. And so I put it in. I was like, this is awesome. We Teams can't stop it. So I tried to teach it to my quarterback, and he got it pretty quickly. Yeah. Because if you hold the read long, and that was the hard part, was can you hold the read long enough? Yeah. But then, well, defenses are smart. So they start, okay, well, you're going to read that guy? Well, we're going to crash him. What are you going to do? Well, we're going to pull it. And then we're going to loop the linebacker around. We call it scrape exchange. Ooh, I don't like that. And then defense has got even more smart. We're going to crash that guy, and we're going to send the linebacker in the A-gap. Are you? What are you doing now? Oh, I'm going to pull it. Here comes that, that safety screaming up to come stop you. Defenses got smart. Uh-huh. Here's the thing at the NFL level, as opposed to high school and college. If teams are doing in high school and college, that's a major part of their offense. So they're spending time, like you said. High school quarterbacks know it. They're doing it all the time. They know what to look for. They know the exact read. Hey, we're not just going to read the end man on line of scrimmage this time. Our read is from him to him. They're, it's a dual read. In the NFL, for a lot of teams, other than Baltimore, the zone read is just you read the end man on line of scrimmage. Yeah. That's the guy you read. So it's a simpler, because they're only running it 10% of the time or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. And so defenses have got smart, though. When Jeff comes in the game, and this is why Andre said the other day during the game, he's like, look, you've got to do something a little bit different with Jeff because as soon as he comes in the game, the defense goes into zone read mode. Yeah. They've got to slow down, but they know exactly how they want to read it and how they want to plan for that. So when Jeff threw that little RPO to Chris Moore in a slant the other day, it was like, yes, okay, perfect. As long as you have some sort of pass off of it, you can be pretty effective with it. Now, the only team that runs it, for the most part, as their base offense is Baltimore. And so they've got different reads and they've got different run schemes that go along with it. But the way that it's evolved is is very, very interesting in how – teams are using not just the in-man and line scrimmage, not just their linebackers, but in some cases what they're doing with their interior guys. When they get a particular blocking scheme, their interior players that don't just hold up against that block, they'll slide around. When an in-man comes down the line scrimmage, they'll slide outside. So they'll use the defensive tackle sometimes to slide over the top of that and be a factor on zone read as well. It's, it's fascinating the chess match that goes on 
But at the NFL level, there's just not enough zone read teams yeah. to be that complicated and to be that complex with it. Because you're not ultimately like you're not going to be able to do it. like they want to gain big chunks in the passing game, right? And like that's where they want to spend their time and energy. So the, so for a lot of college kids, they're coming to the NFL and they they might be severely limited in terms of like their actual knowledge of a of a vertical passing game. And yet, when they're doing the zone read stuff, it's like primitive stuff for them. Yeah, it, like they like they have to dumb it. Like they basically have to dumb down what they did in high school and college when they come to the NFL. When it comes to the zone read side of things. Well, that's what I was. I always thought about that with Deshaun with Bill, because they would run that little RPO like slice bluff where the tight end they would run the RPO. Deshaun would boot out, and then Fells would be out in a flat. And it worked for a couple of weeks, and then they never like expanded it. Yeah, it would, they yeah. they tried to in sneaking a receiver behind him. But uh-huh. I, rem- I remember thinking that same thing. Like, Deshaun's run this zone read stuff in college. The zone read stuff they're running now is, you're right, it was fairly primitive and fairly um, elementary to yeah. Deshaun at that point, and I'm sure there was more there. And I remember talking to O'Brien after the 17th season. He's like, oh, man, we got a lot of stuff. And then I remember him talking about Robert Griffin III with the team formerly known as the Redskins and studying them and what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, they're just running zone read. They're not doing a ton more. You should have been studying Cam Newton and how the Carolina Panthers were running power read and running some other things as opposed to just zone read. But that was the extent of it. I'm sure Deshaun would have made it. If you would have taken some of the Carolina run concepts and yeah. brought them here yeah. with what you had on the outside, now that would have been da- that would have been dangerous dangerous yeah and that's where i get i guess the other part where some of some of what is related to bryce young is that okay whether it's cam newton running up yeah quarterback power type system um or something like that obviously the huge concern is always all right the the abuse that your quarterback has taken if you're cam newton you don't worry about it as much um so with bryce young you're not going to try to do anything like that obviously but with bryce young I'm watching the game last night, and I, I watch Micah Parsons hit uh, Dobbs. Dobbs? Yeah. Dobbs, the yeah, quarterback. Yeah, Josh Dobbs, yeah. Josh Dobbs. And, and, like, because they're being so strict with the quarterbacks now, Micah Parsons, like, not too long ago, could have easily just wrapped up the quarterback and fallen to the ground with him. But Micah Parsons, he did make helmet-to-helmet contact, which was weird that that part didn't get flagged. But what he was more concerned about was not landing on the quarterback. Right, right. So he so he hits he hits Dobbs and releases him like while running full speed. (laughs) It was like a catch and release. It was crazy. (laughs) It was honestly it was really impressive athletically. Later on, one of the Titans' defensive linemen got flagged for what looked like a pretty innocuous like. He was actually trying not to fall on the quarterback yeah. on Dak. And and I just don't know how much physical abuse Bryce Young is gonna take compared to even guys two or three years ago when yeah. it had already been softened. That's a I don't if it was 10, 15, 20 years ago, I would be petrified to take Bryce Young with the first overall pick. Now I just I just don't know how much physical punishment those guys actually have to take. I mean, some guys are going to sit in there and take more, but I think if Bryce Young has the appropriate level of cowardice, like a, a <laughs> like a noble cowardice to him, like where it's like, for the good of the team, man, be a coward. Wait. I feel like it's just more, I can imagine him staying healthy now where I don't know if I could have 10 or 15 years ago. Bryce has actually said this 
when he scrambles or he gets out of the pocket, he's looking to throw. Yeah. Like, it's not he wants to turn it. He, he will go pick up yards when he needs it. It's third and seven. It's fourth quarter. Uh, it's against Auburn. You're down by three, and you got to have it. He'll go get it. And he has no problem going and getting it at that point. But he wants to throw the ball. He will take some hits, but he's pretty smart if you watch him when he scrambles about sliding and not taking those hits. The ones that I worry about are when he does get out of the pocket and he's still trying to make something happen and he's trying to make an off-platform throw and Micah Parsons or you know a Christian Harris or somebody that's got some serious jets closes on him faster than he expects and he's wide open as he's trying to throw it and bam, he just takes a shot that way. That's what I worry about more about Bryce Young than yeah. anything else because he is very smart about running and sliding and getting down, and that's become more of an emphasis. Man, we saw it at the Texas Bowl the other night. There are a couple of times that Tyler Shuck slid and Ole Miss guys got tossed out because they went high, and quarterbacks are sliding. That's a coaching point for defensive players. Now you can't hit them. So Bryce is pretty smart about that. I don't, I'm don't. i with you, Seth, and maybe it's because we've seen – Kyler Murray come to the league. Baker Mayfield come to the league. Drew Brees be successful under six foot. It's not Drew Brees was just... For a long time, Drew Brees was the outlier. Well, now there are more guys that are a little bit shorter, a little bit smaller that are coming to the league, and they're having success. Trevor Lawrence is having success, and he's a monster. But other guys are coming in having success as well, and they're not quite uh, that way. Even a guy like Lamar. Lamar's taken on some punishment over the years. But Lamar does a great job of getting downfield and getting out of bounds so he doesn't take even more hits than he should. The one that suffered the most was Cam. Yeah. Cam, because he's 6'6", 250, Cam was like an F-350, you know, rolling down two lanes of Houston traffic, just hitting everybody, and really had no regard for his body, just giving it up every single time. Well, that that eventually took a toll. Um, and it really, I mean, we took the hit from TJ Watt. That's when it really just, it went, um, that's when all the hits really accumulated at that particular point. And he was done. Bryce, I don't think is going to take those hits. Yeah. That's not his yeah. game, but you know who will take those hits? One will Levis. <laughs> does he, uh, does he have the, oh, he's uh, got hold I, the ball syndrome for sure. The Tom Savage syndrome. <laughs> oh, he's got hold the Tom- ball syndrome. Tom Savage was like that that one episode of The Simpsons where uh, like Homer realizes he has a, a freakish ability to take a punch because he has a tiny brain wrapped inside like a huge head. Without, so, so he could just sit there and take punch after punch. Yeah. Savage didn't have that. Savage had a normal-sized brain, and that was his downfall because yeah. he would sit there and just kind of like – you could see it coming a mile away. Like, dude, just duck or something. My yeah. God, please. Don't take more hits. That's the way I felt about Cam as his career was was moving on. But uh, Cam was a freakazoid. I'll never forget, we went to play them in 15. And so this was his MVP year, and we played in week two. And so Cam comes rolling out. We have three DBs. I can't remember who they were. They have three DBs that are kind of running together on the field. And so Cam comes out, and he's got this spandex Superman like t-shirt on he's got a bandana around his head he's got his underarm he's just all spatted up and he runs on the field and he runs by these three dbs and cam is a legit 6'6 250 i mean he is a big dude and i swear to you our three dbs looked like munchkins next to him and they watched him run by (laughs) 
<laughs> they all three looked at each other, and I swear you said the look on her face. I looked at it and went, oh, we're not winning this game today. We're not winning this game. Because they looked at him and just, it was like they looked up at him, and they looked at each other, and the same expression was like, damn, did you see that guy? He's the yeah. quarterback. He was that big and that impressive. But it worked to his detriment because he took so many hits, like Homer. He took all yeah, those well, hits. He couldn't yeah. do that, and he did. Roethlisberger, I mean, Roethlisberger may do, but, like, he probably, Roethlisberger took way more hits than he should have. But because he, he could, he was a big dude. Um, you know, as you're talking about Cam Newton and kind of just like his, I remember the first time I saw Cam Newton, like, at Radio Row. He's one of these people, like, almost has an aura about him. Yeah. And it is, like, because he's freakishly, like, he's, He's a different shape and size human than you yes. usually see, but like that had like a quarterback's confidence and everything. Um, but JJ Watt was a little bit like that too, just in that most linemen, when you meet them in person, they're they're not as big as you expect. Where JJ was actually bigger than you expect. Yeah. Like JJ, if you wanted to be an offensive tackle, could have been a three hundred and forty pound offensive tackle, probably. Yeah. You know, if he if he decided to put the weight on. Um. So uh, a couple couple things uh, about JJ Watt as we kind of wrap up some of uh, his retirement week here uh, with the Texans, but also I. I'm growing more and more intrigued by what the hell's going on with Derek Carr and Ooh. the Las Vegas Raiders right now. I'm going to quiz you about that coming up next. Selling a little or a lot? <laughs> Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
It's a Miller Lite Football Friday on Sports Radio 610. Here's Payne and Pendergast. Sean Pendergast is taking the day off, so John Harris is in with me. And John, as you and I and most of the listening audience knows, Derek Carr will not be starting for the Las Vegas Raiders this weekend. He's been benched, so Jarrett Stidham, previous Patriots draft pick who had worked with Josh McDaniels when he was there is now going to start these last couple games. Derek Carr uh, is not even with the team anymore uh, so as to not be a distraction for whatever weird reason that is. Right. Not a distraction. Eli Manning managed to stick around and, you know, help out the young guys. Whatever. Um, Matt Ryan, too. Yeah, Matt Ryan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But it's... I, I didn't even realize this uh, until yesterday when I started like reading a little bit more into it. But it's the Raiders could still make the playoffs. I don't know if they feel like I didn't feel like Derek Carr was playing so horrendously that he was the issue with the Raiders, even though he hasn't played great the last few weeks. Um, but then you come to find out that he has some injury guarantees in his contract too. So. If the uh, if the Raiders were planning on getting rid of him, or at least want to keep the option open of getting rid of him or redoing his contract or something, they probably, I would imagine, don't want to have, be stuck to those injury guarantees. Yeah. So, and I almost wonder if like that's why they sent him home too, because if he get, if he gets injured in the weight room, then you know that's a that's a football injury. Yeah. You get injured in the weight room. But it's if you go, point. yeah. Yeah. If it's at Bally's Health Club, then it's not a football injury. Yeah. What is it? Is it NFI at that point? I think. Yeah. If, if that a, depending on how the team, if the team wants to, how aggressive they want to be on it. Yeah. It's, a, it's a little mystifying in some, on one hand, I don't want, I don't want to hear Josh McDaniel sit there and say, well, it's an opportunity to evaluate a young player. Look. If Josh McDaniels doesn't know what Jarrett Stidham is right now after spending years with him in New yeah. England, yeah. and now, if you don't know what you have, then I'm not really sure you've been paying attention. Maybe you haven't. I don't know. Either way, it's it's really the, thanks, Derek. We're done. We'll see you later. And I do think, if I remember correctly, Derek Carr's got a no-trade clause, if I remember correctly. So... We know how complicated that can get, so yeah. we'll, we'll see. Um, well, that's a, yeah, so that's the question is, okay, where... Yeah, he does. He has a no-trade clause. Where does Derek Carr go if he's going to get traded, and, like, where does it make the most sense? And, and the, the first one that jumped out at me when I was looking at this article by Bill Barnwell, which I don't think it... Bar- yeah, he does, he does address it as a... Um, is the New England Patriots. Um, oh, wow. Because... Look, I don't – there's – boy, I've listened to Boston Radio a little bit, and I just did not realize how much – there's just always drama up there. There's always so much drama. Always, always. And all these stories about how Mac Jones might not be Bill Belichick's favorite guy, and Mac Jones certainly doesn't like Matt Patricia himself. The, the, they've all but assumed up there that Bill, uh, Bill O'Brien's going to be the offensive coordinator in New right. England next year. Yeah. Um, so, so the question is, all right, Bill O'Brien has a little bit of experience with Mac Jones just from having talked to him when he took over at Alabama. Yeah, the exactly. guys like Mac Jones helped Bill O'Brien learn the offense basically. Right. Yep. Absolutely. And, um, so, or at least modify it. So 
would they rather have Bill O'Brien and Mac Jones, or would Josh McDaniels really want Mac Jones and trade off David uh, Derek Carr to the to the Patriots? I, I mean, obviously Belichick and McDaniels know one another, and the first thing Belichick will want to know is, well, what the heck happened with Derek Carr? And so, well, you know, can the son lie to his dad? That's the that's the key. Um, and I don't know. <laughs> we that, know who wears the pants in that relationship. I, I mean, like my son, my son can't. He just can't lie to me. Like I'll walk in the house, yeah. he's like, "Dad, I I ate your donuts." Like, dang it. You know, like he just can't lie to me, and yeah. and which I love and I hate at the same time. You love so it, I, yeah. Cause don't you? I used to tell my my kid this: like, if you would just be a better liar, right. I wouldn't have to punish you, right? But like, you're lying so badly that I know you did it, and now I have to punish you, right? And that's a that's a pain in the butt for both of us. Just yeah. lie better, kids. Yes. That's what I need you to do. The Patriots. It's funny because the Patriots didn't even come to mind for that reason. The team that did come to mind that is in that division that came to mind are the New York football Jets. Yeah, yeah. And you start thinking about the the Jets with Garrett Wilson. They got Elijah Moore still there. Now you bring in an accomplished guy that's done a lot. And I think Derek Carr still has some football left. Like the Derek Carr that I saw in week uh, seven when we went out to Las Vegas, that Derek Carr can win some games in the league. Now the last few weeks have not gone well, but – I don't think Derek Carr and McDaniels and that offense that was ever a fit, but it's always been a coordinator change for Derek Carr. There's been no con- continuity, and yeah. I think that Derek Carr would work pretty well with the New York Jets. Once you get that offensive line back healthy, you've got weapons. You get Brees Hall, the running back, back healthy. You throw Derek Carr in that mix, man. The Jets could be that could be something because that defense is there. The defense is already that defense is legit. I but you put Carr in there? Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. I think that's um, Robert Sala. I feel like Robert – I feel like Derek Carr would be full bore into Robert Sala, at least at first. Yeah. Like, I, you know, Sala is all uh, – Sala is all about the, the motivational stuff and everything, like in a good way, not in like a phony way like yeah. some coaches. And I feel like Carr would really like buy into that. I – the one that was mentioned that I would think would be fascinating – is Derek Carr to the Colts. Oh. Um, just because Derek, Derek, we know, holds a grudge. And Derek's still, <laughs> Derek's like still, he's like still angry at people who aren't even any longer with the organization. But right. they are, but he's mad at them, so he's yeah. mad at the Texans. He's yeah. mad at the logo somehow. <laughs> somehow Bob McNair, Charlie Casserly, and Dom Capers. And, and Toro. And Gary Kubiak and every, yeah. <laughs> he's still mad at Toro. That's okay, right. Oh, so that's right, me- yeah, because. Toro tackled him in that that mascot, yeah, uh, yeah <laughs> that mascot game they played at halftime. Let me ask you this, Seth. And I, I'm not saying that the Texans would even be interested if Derek Carr came in the market or not. My question about Derek Carr is: Do you think that Texans fans would have residual feelings about David Carr that filter through to Derek Carr, or because of what Derek Carr has done in his first nine years in the league? That that's all in the in the background for Texans fans. What would you think, think about that? I think I remember uh, calling people out for their hypocrisy when they were upset retroactively that the Texans hadn't drafted Derek Carr. This might have been like 2018 or so. Right. I don't know. Whenever remember that year where he was like in the MVP conversation. 2016, yeah. 2016, yeah. 
I remember, I remember, like, curiously, after all I heard was, no way in hell, they'll, uh, they can't draft, uh, I'll never go to a game again if they draft a car, he's never not allowed inside city limits, and then all of a sudden, three years later, I can't believe they didn't draft Derek Carm, right. what, a, what, a, what a clown show, um, I think, so, yeah, my answer would be no, I think uh, that's all water under the bridge, because I, I would argue before that draft, I would argue on behalf of Derek Carr, not that I felt particularly passionate about him, but I did feel like there's just zero way you should hold David Carr's experience here against Derek Carr in one way or the other. Like it should, like it, it's almost like people have never met a family that has like a, a couple of sons in it yeah. and realized that like, oh yeah, wow, these guys are actually a lot different. Like, oh, that's a... Yeah, that's the one I can trust, and that's the one that's uh, going to run out of bounds. And uh, the offensive lineman will have to call it a sack when he could have just thrown the ball away. Yeah, <laughs> and it all it, and it goes the other way too. Just because one brother is great doesn't mean you draft the other brother. Yeah, and let him take weights to his garage during COVID and expect yeah. that he's going to turn into his <laughs> Hall of Fame brother. So you've the got Martin that too. Family. Yeah, yeah, that's I think sometimes where I think the thing people. When they get tantalized with the prospect of bio, like brothers playing and siblings, I should say, siblings playing yeah. uh, in the NFL, they forget that the vast majority of guys in the NFL's brothers don't play in the NFL. Right. Like, there, there's one. There's just one. So if there are potentially two, then you got to judge them like different dudes. They're not, like, all cut from the – like, Derek Watt is – what if Derek Watt had come first? Are you going to say, like, well – I don't know, man. I what, guarantee is he a pullback? you we would have heard that during the draft process. I guarantee <laughs> you. I've heard all kinds of things from fans and, and followers over the years. Well, you know his brother sucked, so <laughs> he's going to, too. You know, it's like the uh, like the Jeff Tedford quarterback, uh, you know, thing for so long. Well, that yeah. guy was a Tedford quarterback. He's going to suck, and then Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers turns deal. into a Hall of Famer. Well, you, you know? know, no, I guess I'm sensitive to it because my older brother, growing up, my older brother, like, was just like a – he was a troublemaker yeah. and didn't do well in school and everything. He ended up, like, when he went to college, he, like, got educational religion and got – like, ended up getting his master's and, like, yeah. was super dean's list all the time. But anyway, I just don't want to, you know, besmirch my brother's good name on the radio. But he was a jackass when he was in junior high and high school. So I always felt like I was kind of under the gun when I'd come up and we were in a small enough school that I pretty much had all the same teachers yeah. that he did. I, I felt like I had to be on my best behavior the first couple of weeks to prove that, you know, I wasn't going to lock the, <laughs> lock the poor guy in a closet like my brother had for, <laughs> for various things. I, yeah. I had that same, I had that same situation when I, I taught a kid and I thought he was quiet, kind of demure, just very nice. What I didn't know was behind the scenes, he liked the party a lot. So oh, yeah. when his younger brother came up, now his the older brother didn't play any sports. When his younger brother came up, everybody thought that's what the younger brother was going to do. And everybody thought about that, and he was a really good athlete. And then, yeah. of course, he did like the party because, you know, he was like his brother. But, yeah, his but brother everybody got, thought brother that. Brother like, when he was 11, yeah. Yeah, well, when Doug gets to high school, we got to keep our eyes on this guy. He's going to be in trouble. It was, the same, it was the same sort of thing, exact <laughs> sort of thing. But he was an athlete, and that sort of helped him kind of get through the rough spots. But – yeah, by senior year, he liked the party, too, so it wasn't too big a surprise. Hey, we've got the toss coming up next, and also uh, some of the celebrity sporting deaths of 2022. We didn't really get to the athletes yesterday, so it's, uh, we'll pay some uh, pay 
pay homage to some of these great athletes that passed away in 2022. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. It's a Miller Lite football Friday on Sports Radio 610. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, here's Payne and Pendergast. Sean is taking a day off. He'll be back Sunday for the pregame and the postgame as the Texans take on the Jaguars. And, um... I want to talk about that game a little bit, Sean, uh, John, if we, uh, if we end up getting through some of these, uh, the, this, this list of uh, several notable athletes or former athletes or people in the sports business who passed away this year. And um, I don't know, it's weird, as you get older, time goes by faster, and yet January of this year feels like it was three years ago. Because <laughs> yeah, it does. Bill Russell, I believe, passed away, and I think it was in January, um, and it feels like forever ago that Bill Russell died, but Bill Russell uh, passed away at the age of 88. Yeah, Bill Russell, man, what a life that guy lived. I mean, he was just such an impressive guy um, at a time when civil rights were front and center for for all of us, and he was front and center leading the athlete movement, and carried that through his entire life. But I think one of the things about Bill Russell, he was funny. <laughs> he was a pretty funny guy. Um, but man, it's one of those things where he was 88, I think, Seth, yeah. 88, July 89. 31st, by the way, I was way off on the, uh, so apologies to, uh, Mr. Russell. Either but, way, yeah. that's a life well lived, man. I mean, that's a, that's a, it's a life well lived, you know, like Pele, <laughs> 82 years old and what Pele was able to do in his life. Uh, it, you hate to see somebody like that pass, but you get to, you get in the eighties, man. Look, if I get in the sixties, I'm going to feel like I'm, I'm, you know, I've got uh, that's that's gravy. If I get to my sixties, that's the way I feel. So them getting eighties, that's life. Lives well lived for sure. The thing about Bill Russell um, that always impressed me was like he just had um, he kind of had like just such a regal demeanor. Yeah, like he just like like stately. Um, and I, you know, obviously because of the time in which he played, um, especially like he he took a lot of responsibility on himself to to speak out about things or yep. to and to speak like um to like uh, to do it very well too yep. like as far as like cutting to the core of issues um in, in, almost in a way where sometimes when Bill Russell would talk about things it was almost it was almost like he could have written it as a script um and it, and it would have addressed the various uh, racial and social matters that he was talking about. Um, and that was always very impressive to me. Uh, the more recent ones, like just in the last week, yeah. uh, Pele yesterday, Mike Leach 
a couple of weeks ago now, yeah. right? Or a week ago. And Franco Harris last week, too. Um, I, you know, I, I, just a couple of weeks ago, I'd said, you know, it was actually, I mean, there's quite a, you know, a lot of people die every year, but there, there hadn't been that many this year. And then it felt like the, um, the month of December was, was kind of yeah, tough. It, and, and Mike Leach, very young at the age of 61. I obviously being in the building with Texas Tech on one side and Ole Miss on the other, you just hear some things. And I had heard somewhere, and I can't remember who said that, that Mike had not been feeling well. And they were trying to convince him to go to the doctor. And he's, yeah, I'm fine. You know, I mean, he gave kind of uh, that, yeah. that answer. And even, in fact, on Saturday night, he was apparently just on his couch watching football and just texting. And then Sunday had a massive heart attack and, and we lost him. But I thought it was really cool to see Texas Tech, Joey McGuire, paying homage to Mike Leach when they came out in a formation that's used a ton in the air raid with the big line splits and as the game is starting, it's the first play of the game for Texas Tech. And so Brett and I, for a second, are trying to figure out, okay, what's that all about? When I saw Lane Kiffin didn't, uh, decline the penalty, then I was like, okay, that's for Mike Leach. Yeah. And it, it was. When I went back and watched the broadcast, you can see uh, that it was for Mike Leach for sure. Um, but, yeah, it was, a, it was a fun bowl game. But just hearing that about Mike Leach, that, man, not saying that you go to the doctor and everything's going to be solved, but you know what? Maybe they could have found something. Maybe they could have found something uh, that would have uh, would have kept him with us. But either yeah, way, no, 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 that's a really good. Honestly, yeah. Like if uh, if you learn something from Mike Leach, one last thing to learn from it. You get to that age and you're feeling lethargy and really, really tired, out of breath. There's yeah, like a, go to the a lot of times there's, yeah, it's not just that you're fatigued. You've got a blockage or something like that. Yeah, yeah go to the doctor because they can, they can keep you going for another 30 or 40 years easy. You just take care of it. Yeah, absolutely. But it pays to be young. It pays to be young. Like, yeah. I want to call it the next show is the B Show. Brandon B, and uh, Sean. Brandon and Sean Bajani. Bajani and Brandon. I'm I like that. They're, the not, as young, they're the not as young. You guys aren't as young as you look, though. It's uh, you, I, it, oh, I chalk it up to the clean lives that you've led. Divulge your ages. <laughs> hey, I was gonna say I'm, I'm definitely younger than I feel. No, no, no. Before <laughs> don't divulge anything. But just based off of what Seth just said, we're both older than what we look. How old do you think we are? Well, you're 27, <laughs> and Brandon Scott will graduate from Sam Houston next month. <laughs> wow. I wish. Did I get close? I wish that was the case. I want to know what Seth thinks. <laughs> I think um, I would. I don't know. You guys are both stuck at like thirty-one for me, and yeah. I, but in fact, are you, Sean? You're not my age, are you? Uh, you probably got a couple of years on me. I'm, I'm forty. For, you're forty. Okay, okay wait, yeah. hold on. You need to bring. I need to be like that Pop Warner parent. I need to see his birth certificate right now. <laughs> I need to see it right now. There's no way you're forty. Yeah, and I, I am a ripe old thirty-three. So yeah, yeah. Uh, you uh, could uh, maybe convince. Uh, there you go, Johnny. That. Season 33. maybe convince me that. All right, here it is. I'm not going to read 1982. Good grief. You would have had me totally fooled. I'd have been guessing for days. You're not looking. I would have arguably put you at 30. What is like the uh, shadow from my ball cap hiding the bags under my no, eyes or it's what? Just, you've got a, you got a young look and an appearance. Yeah. I was listening to Bajani and Barry Warner back when I was in college. See? Yeah. That's, 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 the, that's, the that's, what, you, that's what you say to uh, athletes. Man, when I was growing up, I say this to, to players and coaches all the time. Man, when I was growing up, I watched you. Yeah. Like when we were talking to Robert Brazil, I was like, man, when I was a kid, Robert, and I realized, wait, that's probably not the right thing to say to somebody. No, but that's why I feel like old as hell because B. Scott talks about that all the time. Like yep. he was very close to being our show intern. 
back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Like, and like now, now I kind of re- like B Scott. Can I write about this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about this topic for the website? See, How you the tables have turned, baby. Exactly. And now B Scott's no, uh, like, so you treated me like this as an intern? Here you go. Now I'm like, hey B Scott, what's up with the World Series credentials, bro? Yeah. <laughs> yep. you, you know who I? Uh, you know what I mentioned? If I want people to know how old I am, it's that I played against Randall Cunningham. And Marcus Allen. I, I tackled both those guys. That is freaking awesome. Yeah. yeah. And there are people Boomer going, Esiason. wait, yeah. who's Marcus Allen? That, that's when you know, like, man, you don't know Marcus. Oh, man. Marcus Allen was the scariest, like, 38-year-old short yardage back who ever lived. Because they would bring him in. They would bring him in for, like, four plays a game in short yardage where he was just as fast as he ever was. And he would just hit the hole. Like r- absurdly fast, where like all the timing and rhythm was, you, you like you know like with a normal running back, there's kind of a you lock your blocker out, then you throw because you know yeah. when he's gonna hit the hole. It was now it blew it out of the water. He was absurd. Marcus Allen and Randall Cunningham. That is yeah. awesome. The yeah. stories okay. you'll be able to tell your grandkids. So okay, <laughs> Seth, who is I'm trying to think, who's still playing in the league that you tackled well, or played against? It's gotta be Tom Brady. I mean, you know, Tom, other brand. Got to be the, I, that's, that's the one. I mean, is that Except the one? He's who actually kind of young, and I missed him because we didn't play them that much. Um, so I don't know. Somebody from 2005 or 2006. There's yeah. A, there's a few of those guys. Yeah. I mean, Vinatieri's gone. Brady's still here. Aaron Rodgers hadn't started playing yet, right? Rodgers hadn't played yet. Yeah, he was still in the bench. Well, like the oldest guy that just retired last year was uh, Andrew Whitworth, correct, with the Rams? That's their right. Left yeah. tackle. So that probably would have been the guy, the that oldest guy it. that you lined up against. I probably played, yeah, yeah. yeah At some that. point. All right, that's enough of this. That's a re- <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, I, whenever I read these celebrity death lists, I'm like, oh, boy. Like, what? what how large a municipality have I uh, achieved enough that I'll be mentioned? Like, I know the... I know, like the Victor Herald, where I grew up, might mention it. Uh, like, uh, but but you know, Pele, Pele's a big one. Obviously, he's going to be mentioned worldwide. The lesson John and I realized is like, man, but he died like the, he, two days before the end of the year. He's not on in a lot of these articles. Uh, you, like, if you can hang on at all until January first and pass away, Pele will be like properly remembered by all these. Who died in 2023 articles? How about this to, to, to date Seth? We celebrated Seth's sack on Quincy Carter when I was in the eighth grade on a Stafford Middle School bus. Damn. Well, that's a great way to leave this show, B. Scott. How about that? Thank you. We've got to, yeah, guys, we've got to go to give you guys the appropriate amount of time in your first segment. Real quick, what do you got coming up? Uh, well, bowl game battle with uh, Texans implications. We'll discuss that. Uh, Texan fans charged with major responsibilities these days. And, uh, what headlines are we going to be talking about one year from now? We'll get into all of that across sports and all phases of the city. Awesome. All right. Looking forward to it, guys. And, John, thank you very much for you got coming it, man. Thank in. you, Seth. Everybody have a great day. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 